Hey! Let's talk about food and music, eating and grooving, munching and moving, forking and spooning, listening to tunes, yeah, dinner's on soon, and to get ready for, ready for, peanut butter and jams. You're listening to Peanut Butter and Jams with host Brenda and Jordy on CITR 101.9. Exploring local music and local food. Tune in to learn about the best eats and tunes from your neighborhood. And a weekly pairing for your date calendar. Warning. The endorsements and criticism expressed during the show are the opinions of the host, unless clearly identified as advertising. Put in your earbuds and fire up your taste buds. It's peanut butter and jams. Hello and welcome. You are listening to Peanut Butter and Jams. Brenda cannot make it today. Um, but she just sent me a text letting me know that uh, if you go to our Facebook page, um, which is uh, Peanut Butter and Jams uh, on Facebook, uh, you can. So I think it's Peanut Butter and Jams. At, uh, I should have. I should have done more thoughts on this. But uh, it's the uh, Peanut Butter and Jams on CITR Facebook page. She has just posted what she's having for dinner which is why she couldn't make it. Um, and so that's something that if you want to be connected with Brenda about, well, she can't make it here today, uh, take a look. It's Tacos at South by Southwest. Um, yes, Brenda is at South by Southwest, and she is eating some spectacular-looking tacos right now. Um, it's sad that she can't be here today, but I'm sure she's having a great time, and it looks like she's having a very delicious time. I am uh, happy to do the show today, though, because we have a really great interview lined up for uh, ran up for us today, that, which was um, done by uh, Brenda and uh, David, a uh, uh, peanut butter and jams correspondent, his first piece, and uh, it's with an interview with a professor uh, talking about Monsanto and GMOs and um, I'm going to play a song and then we will go into that um, so just enjoy this song by Weed first I'm a big fan of the band Weed uh, local band and um, you might know them because uh, there's a person named Hugo who happens to be a CITR employee who also who plays in weed. And um, uh, they're very great. Um, and they've put out four releases now, although some of them are pretty small. Um, but this is off of Running Back, and this song is called Thousand Pounds.
This is a show about local music and local food, and today we have a guest, and we're really excited about it. It's Gaston Gordillo, and he's a faculty in the Department of Anthropology here at UBC, and there's a little story about how he came to be here in this studio. We have a volunteer, David Usher, who's here with us as well, and he took a course with Gaston and was very passionate about the conversations they had about Monsanto, so we're going to talk a bit about that today. What Monsanto? Going back over 100 years now, I think, and um, there's been a lot of controversy about the work and, and uh, GM food, and um, I got quite interested in this area, and of course, Brenda, yourself with food. Yeah, one of the main controversies associated with Monsanto, not the only one, but uh, certainly that's one of the main controversies, is the attempt by Monsanto. And by the way, it's not just Monsanto. There are similar, equally large and powerful multinational corporations that are, yes, investing uh, a lot of money into developing GM seeds, uh, not just soy. I mean, I'm, in my work in Argentina, I'm focusing on the so-called soy boom that has transformed the country in the past 15 years. Uh, but they're doing the same with uh, GM corn and, and, and multiplicity of, of plants. And yeah, one of the concerns that people all over the world has, have raised is that this is an attempt to privatize seeds. Uh, because in many ways what Monsanto and Syngenta and other companies are doing is, is in, in, in patenting the seeds that they claim they have produced out of their own investment and technology. Um, they're trying to restrict, restrict access to what, you know, for thousands of years in human history has been something open to everyone. Uh, you know, the very notion that a seed has an owner, you know, 20 years ago or even 10 years ago would have been totally outrageous. And it is, it is still for most of us outrageous that something like a seed, you know, a symbol of life, one of the most powerful symbols of life and food for humans, especially on the planet, that a company claims that they own a seed and therefore a farmer cannot replant a seed patented and owned by a multinational corporation based, in this case, in St. Louis, Missouri. Monsanto wants basically every farmer, instead of keeping their seeds and replanting the seeds, which is what farmers have done for thousands of years all over the planet, Monsanto wants for each farming season, uh, they want farmers to pay royalties to Monsanto. So farmers will lose these capacity to basically save seeds and plant again the following uh, season without having to pay to anyone because obviously uh, seeds have evolved over millions and millions of years uh, and all of a sudden because a company makes a minor uh, a tweaking with their gene structure uh, then they claim then they own what ultimately is something that again has been produced out of you know millions of years of natural evolution in which humans had no no presence. So the, the implications in terms of the, the livelihood of millions of farmers worldwide that all of a sudden are threatened because obviously this can destroy small-scale farming communities that cannot afford to obviously to pay these royalties that has huge economic and social and political implications. And environmental implications as well, definitely. Yeah. I read a paper of yours, and it was talking a bit about uh, Monsanto and other companies lobbying government for changes in law and policy and regulation. Not only is it impacting economically, but once we change the structure of law in a country, so much can happen. The case I'm following most closely, the case of Argentina, where indeed Monsanto and other uh, very powerful uh, corporate actors are, are, are 
trying to impose a new law that would basically uh, legalize what I just explained, basically granting these corporations the right of ownership overseas. I mean, this has been quite controversial in Argentina. The plan to pass this law in Congress a couple of years ago stalled because of the very strong grassroots opposition. And this was under a different government. Now we have a new government in Argentina who is even more pro-business and, and, and pro-agribusiness than the previous government, which was a little more like center-left or populist, if you like, yet at the same time was fully in favor of uh, expanding agribusiness. But basically all the peasant organizations and many grassroots groups uh, fiercely opposed this. So at least in Argentina, at the legal level, this is still in the making. There are a lot of, the law hasn't passed yet, but basically, yeah, in not just Argentina, but many uh, other countries, Monsanto, and again, it's not just Monsanto, but obviously it has become this, this very famous uh, name all over the world, are indeed trying to change laws so that their right, what they claim is the right private property, private ownership is legalized and may becomes part of the, the law of countries like Argentina, but also Canada and, and elsewhere. Um, I have a feeling that most people have never heard of Monsanto as far as this area of seeds. How many do you think they actually know about this happening? You know, the, the fascinating thing about Monsanto and other uh, companies like like them is that, you know, originally Monsanto is a chem- was a chemical. I mean, it is still largely a chemical company, yeah. you know, a, and a weapons manufacturer. You know, Monsanto actually boomed and became a very prominent corporation during the Vietnam War. When they were producing oh, it's, it's chemical, orange, yeah. yeah, chemical uh, weapons for the U.S. military in, right. in Vietnam, that was trying to destroy the jungle that was <laughs> sheltering, uh, uh, you know, the Vietnamese fighters uh, opposing the U.S. troops, and to this day, most of the profits that Monsanto make actually comes not so much from the seed, but also but from the package, because this is really key to understand how these co- corporations work. What they sell is not just the seed, but also the, the, the poisons, the chemicals that come with the seed. Because basically, the whole point of creating a GM soybean, for instance, is to basically to make that plant resistant to the chemicals that Monsanto manufactures to kill anything else. The most famous is, is Roundup Ready. Monsanto basically modifies the genetic structure of a particular plant so that that plant survives the, the, the chemicals produced by Monsanto, again, to kill off any other plant. Obviously, Monsanto has claimed that the glyphosate, which is the, the, the core component of Roundup, is, is harmless. When Roundup was first marketed, it included, I mean, the advertising campaign included the outrageous claims, such as this was biodegradable, which is, you know, absolute, an absolute lie. There is mounting evidence from all over the world that glyphosate is, is very poisonous, is cancerogenic to, to humans and animals. Uh, in Argentina and, and all over the world, there are countless stories of people living next to soy fields sprayed with uh, glyphosate. Huge numbers of heartbreaking stories of children born with, with birth defects, very high cancer rates. Uh, women who start noticing that you know their, their kids get sick and some of them die at an early age. Also, glyphosate gets into the yeah, the water systems, the aquifers underground. So, in many areas of Argentina, specifically again, which is the case I know best, but also in Brazil and elsewhere, the long-term use of these chemicals is creating a true environmental and, and public health catastrophe. With uh, and, and this has led to the rise of, of important social movements uh, opposing 
the use of herbicides by by these companies that are particularly strong in some parts of Argentina. Gaston, can you talk a bit about the social implications of of what's happening in Argentina and how that could affect all sorts of people's lives? The region I've been following most uh, more closely is northern Argentina, which used to be heavily forested up until 20, 15 years. I mean, um, a region historically impoverished, marginalized, inhabited by indigenous communities and people, I mean, people who are may not be necessarily indigenous, but, you know, live off the land, raising a few head of cattle in some cases. Um, when the soy boom started in the late 90s and especially early 2000s, soy farming expanded dramatically from the core agricultural area in Argentina, which is the, the, the center of the country, the so-called pampas or prairies. The, so the agribusiness frontier expanded north. And that basically implied that for many of these indigenous communities and, and rural peoples, a social and environmental catastrophe. Basically, in many cases, these people had lived there for generations but didn't have legal title to their land. And so many corporations basically through, in some cases, very obscure deals, in some cases, you know, following the, the very clear patterns of political corruption in which basically, you know, they, uh, the government sold off public land to these big business conglomerates. And basically, in the past 15 years, thousands and thousands of families have been evicted. Uh, from their lands, in some cases violently. There have been a, several cases of people being killed, shot at, uh, because they refused to leave. Uh, so the whole rural landscape of northern Argentina in the past decade has been very profoundly transformed. I mean, there are, uh, um, in some cases, resistance to eviction and uh, deforestation has been strong enough to put some limits to this advance of agribusinesses, but by and large, it's, it's a very grim and sad story in which uh, you have this massive, and again, these are fully mechanized farming operations uh, that hire very few people. So basically the people who lose their land and who see their, their homes and their forests destroyed by, you know, it's, it's a very nasty work the way they, the forests are, are destroyed. Basically you have uh, bulldozers moving in, in some cases connected through a chain. So they drag the chain and the chain basically crashes everything on its path and, and that kills uh, a lot of animals, even cattle, horses, and, and, and not, not to mention thousands and millions of trees. Socially, politically, environmentally, it's been a true catastrophe. I mean, it's uh, activists and environmentalists in Argentina have been very active denouncing this tragedy. Uh, the overall picture is that the region has been profoundly transformed. And, and, you know, when I visit the area, it's very striking to see how, yeah, in many cases, cases you only see soy fields with huge silos. I mean, the infrastructure produced by agribusiness is very impressive. It looks very modern and very efficient. But once you start talking to local people, you realize that seemingly modern, high-tech system is built on, on massive forms of destruction, displacement, uh, so there are, as elsewhere in the world, there are clear uh, winners and, and losers. And clearly, many people have become very wealthy out of this so-called soy boom, but many others have paid a, a, a very steep price. What do you see as solutions going forward for this area? I know that's a really hard <laughs> one. <laughs> well, for starters, I mean, I think, obviously, I wish I had the, the power to have an impact on, on policy, but obviously... The first solution would be to stop granting permits because that's the other thing. I mean, the government grants permits to these companies to basically def destroy a certain amount of forested land. First, that will require a political decision by 
the local government and primarily the federal government, even though I, I'm, I'm aware that won't happen in the near future, but basically, yeah, to, to put a limit to the forestation to say enough is enough, try to protect in more systematic ways the livelihood of local people who have been threatened by this, uh, this massive wave of, of deforestation and destruction. If people want to learn more about your research and what's going on, do you have any tips on where they can do that? Because this is an ongoing research, I haven't written much about it. I mean, there's a lot of great material online or books. I mean, a, a famous documentary and book. It's a classic on the topic is, you know, The World According to Monsanto by Robin. This is a, a, the documentary is online. It's, it's, a, it's a very great introduction to, to, to why Monsanto is such a problematic entity. You know, Raj Patel was here a few weeks ago at UBC. He's a, a very well-known writer and an activist who has written about food issues, food security. He has his book, Starved and Stuffed. Uh, it's, it's a big introduction to the, to the dilemmas that we face today in the world when it comes to food production. And he re refers also to, to the case of agribusiness and Monsanto. Just to wrap up, how do you think these issues are affecting us here in Canada and what can we learn from other stories from other countries? Yeah, even though I've been talking about Argentina mostly, yeah, this is affecting us here in Canada and the U.S. all over the world. Obviously, these are companies that have a presence in, on all continents. And, and, and in Canada, you know, they have many, many cases of farmers in the prairies, the same in the U.S., who have been harassed by uh, Monsanto, you know, trying to ch make them pay royalties. And, and Monsanto had for quite a few years had an infamous system of, you know, sending their own kind of private uh, police, if you like, uh, policing farms to see whether people are using Monsanto's seeds and then going after them and, and, and suing them. And there, there have been a few very uh, well-known cases here in Canada. So we're part of the same process, you know, GM crops are, are huge in Canada and in the U.S. This has implications, not just in terms of, you know, issues of food production and the poisoning of fields, but also, you know, global warming, you know, the, the industrial production of food and, and, and meat. Uh, we should keep in mind that, for instance, most of the soy produced in Argentina is turned into soy meal that is shipped to China to feed millions of pigs. So this is part of the industrialized production of meat, uh, which is one of the major country global warming and, 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 you know, one of the primary sources of CO2 emissions. Uh, and obviously this affects us here in Canada very profoundly. So we are part of the problem, even though, again, I've been talking about uh, faraway places compared to Vancouver, we are very much uh, in this, on the same boat. Great. Well, thank you so much, Gaston. Thank you, David for coming in. This was a great interview. It's really good to hear about what UBC professors are studying and sharing that research with us on the radio. Thank you so much. And thank you, Brenda and David, for inviting me. Does Discorder magazine summon Discord? Only the good kind. This month, we feature musicians and artists sifting through chaos to form distinct creative practices and personas. Flip through the pages of Discorder for Mass Marriage, Iceberg Ferg, Plazas, Phono Pony, the Jamie and Sarah Experience Project, and more. This month also features artwork by Aaron Moran, live show reviews of Julia Holter and Parquet Courts, and album reviews for You Say Party and Joe Past. We'd also like to thank our advertisers, Vancouver Theatre Sports, Vinyl Records, Rickshaw, Center for Digital Media, Debt Offensive Records, The Rio Theatre, 
Vinyl Records, Liveband.com, and AMS Events. Um, I would like to thank uh, Brenda and David for putting that piece together. Um, that was an interview with Gaston Gordillo, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, who is a professor at the University of British Columbia, our, uh, our school that, uh, that CITR is attached to. Um, if you are interested in seeing or, or hearing more of his writing, he um, has a blog at uh, spaceandpolitics.blogspot.ca. He also has written some books and stuff too. Uh, neat guy. Um, uh, but, uh, if you are just generally interested in what, um, some news on Monsanto, there is recently developing, um, a series of lawsuits from West Coast American cities against the company, um, Portland, Seattle, Spokane, Berkeley, Oakland, San Diego, and San Jose are suing the company or what the company has now morphed into. It's kind of it's kind of complicated, but you can read about it if you're more interested, um, uh, for knowingly polluting the water supplies of their cities with PCBs. Um, and that's potentially going to change the way uh, at least companies handle things. Um, uh, it's, a, it's so long ways off. There's, a prob- there's still a whole lawsuit to happen before any decisions are made, but uh, uh, that's just something if you are someone who likes to stay up on the up and up on that subject matter. Um, moving on, uh, uh, you are listening to Peanut Butter and Jams on CITR.ca. Uh, thank you for tuning in. I have some music to play you. Um, we have um, not got a lot of other food-related topics to talk about uh, on this show right now Um, but I did want to give a little update on this uh, a new zero waste place that's going to be doing a pop-up shop on uh, the March 22nd I'll talk about that after I've played a few songs this is something that was just talked about uh, in that uh, discorder ad that I played Uh, this is a song um, by Plaza's uh, who is trying to? Uh, who's about? Whose new EP is just about to come out? Um, some really great uh, pop music from a local songstress. <laughs> Thank you. 
That was Plaza's uh, Silent Empires off of her new EP, Empathy. Uh, well, almost new EP. It doesn't even exist yet. Um, if you're interested in seeing more about that, I would recommend checking out the newest issue of Discorder, which has a nice little article about Plaza's um, or feature pieces of it. Um, I'm going to use that as a jumping off point to uh, play around with some, or to play some uh, Lady Pop from Vancouver. Uh, this is Piper Davis, um, her song Academics from 2009. Oh, I'm so old. Uh, this is a very good song, though. I uh, She she um, moved to Toronto, um, but this song was written and pre- originally performed here. I believe it's Shindig, actually. And um, uh, it's a great song. Turn up on a judge and fight. 
I like Star Trek. Yeah, yeah cool. Cool. awesome. I love the Lord of the Rings. Great. Great yeah. I'm into obscure 1950s atomic monster movies. Uh, okay. sure. I really enjoyed the Michael Bay Ninja Turtles. We can work with that. Here at the UBC Sci-Fi and Fantasy Society, we accept everyone. We have weekly movies, game nights, and the largest non-academic library at UBC. Come by our club room, 3206D in the Nest. It's a great place to eat lunch, hang out, and procrastinate. Check out our Facebook group, UBC Sci-Fi and Fantasy Society, to find out what's going on.
Welcome back. You are listening to Peanut Butter Jams on CITR 101.9 FM, Vancouver. And that was a lady friend uh, from her 2010, no, 2013 release. Um, that song is called Un Petit Message. And um, it's the entire album is really good. Uh, I would recommend checking it out or buying it online, you know. Uh, you can get it on Bandcamp if you are so inclined. And if uh, if you do, it's uh, it's well worth it. I, I, I can't recommend it enough. Um, I did want to talk about a place called Zero Waste Market, which uh, is a pop-up shop grocery store aimed at creating zero waste groceries where you can bring in your own containers and they'll fill them up so you don't have to they don't use a lot of packaging um there's still a pop-up shop um but they are looking for a grocery store to open up um but uh in between now and then there is a in five days they are doing a pop-up shop at uh, on march 22nd uh, at fourth at the patagonia location and they will be um, having their store there if you want to check them out. 
I would recommend doing it. I think it's a really great movement to uh, try and reduce waste in the gro- in our grocery stores. And it's something that um, is starting to build up here locally. There's this zero waste marketplace um, that is looking to find a space. And there's already the soap dispensary. Um, and, you know, just getting growlers full of beer is also part of that. So I would... Um, I would, I would recommend checking this out if you happen to live in the area. And uh, if not, you know, whatever. Um, before that, uh, before that Lady Friend song that I just played, I played a song uh, by Fine Mist um, called Murder Murder from their album Public Domain. Uh, Fine Mist has uh, since left us, but they are missed. Uh, and... Uh, who knows? I wish th- we wish them best in all their future projects. Jay Arner is, of course, now in Energy Slime uh, on Mint Records, and uh, I don't think Megan is recording much these days. But maybe, maybe she's listening right now. Megan, go record something, or send me an email saying that you are recording something. Anyhow, uh, let's get to some more music. What should we listen to now? I would. I think. We should hear this song. So let me bring this one up. Um, this is by a local artist called Kotin. I think I'm pronouncing that. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, K-H-O-T-I-N. Um, and this is a song uh, that was recently released. Or this is an, uh, a, a 33... Um, album that was recently released by 1080p. Um, this is a song called Bacal Acid.
And welcome back. That's a nice little song uh, by Kotin. Um, if you are interested, check out that album on 1080p. Uh, their website has has that and more of the similar style of that sort of electro music that Vancouver musicians are putting out. Um, I'm going to play a song next um, by a different type of electronic musician called uh, Ghosting spaces between each letter in his name and i would recommend that you check out the article about him in discorder which is really great um ghosting is keeps his identity a secret he's like um so he prefers to be anonymous and so they did an interview where he anonymously skyped the interviewer from a parked car somewhere in the suburbs of, B of vancouver uh he is local um but, uh, but uh, well, as far as we know, he's local. He could be uh, tricking the world. Um, but he has a very unique style of music and um, more, more of a sound collage sort of thing. If you happen to go to the Museum of Vancouver's most recent exhibit mashup, you might find this sort of stuff interesting. Uh, this song is called Chungo's Quest for Batteries from his new album, 2D Fun at Grid World, which all physical copies of are already sold out, but you can still buy the digital version on Bandcamp.
And welcome back. That was uh, that. That was Chungo's quest for batteries by ghosting the anonymous Vancouver artist, unrelated to the hacking collective. Anonymous, presumably, actually just lowercase anonymous. Um, so make sure you stay tuned for app. Uh, yeah, make sure you stay tuned for CITR's francophone show, which is coming up next. Hopefully, if it doesn't start soon it will um automatically queue in at some point i'm putting on the auto dj and we'll just see what happens if it doesn't expect whatever song you're getting uh, you're listening to to get interrupted by citr's diligent programming director and replaced with the correct um program also thunderbird radio hell is coming up after that so check that out too ben lie he's great And uh, have a good day, and uh, all the best. We'll see you in two weeks.